welcome to Get Over It, the Consciousness Transforming Podcast for exceptional 21st century living. We've got a very uh, unique show today. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Alexandra Churan, and we're talking about her book, Getting Through It, Reclaim and Rebuild Your Life After Adversity, Change, or Trauma. And since I'm all about getting getting over it and she's about getting through it you know you guys are going to get some good information to shift your life so that you can truly live the life you were meant to live and not be stuck in the mire that we sometimes get stuck in now the information shared on get over it uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through blocks and release energy that is no longer needed yes we're going to help you let go of the bs that is holding you back but you know i always ask are you truly ready to And by the way, folks, BS is belief for my new listeners, intuitive since birth. I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I'm the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, and that's monikechapman.com. And I invite you to like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. My guest today, Dr. Alexandria Tran of Port Moody, British Columbia, Canada, is a cancer survivor and the queen of the COVID. She has helped thousands around the globe to uh, find confirmation and empowerment through cultural fortune-telling practices. That sounds really interesting, folks. Holding a master's in teaching from uh, Seattle University and a doctoral degree from Valdosta State uh, University, she has written over um, 26 (laughs) published books. And her thing is to help people, you know, move through life and guide readers through crisis and get to a point of self-discovery. You can check her out at her uh, social media outlet, and that is www, of course, twitch.tv forward slash queen of diamonds. Again, twitch.tv forward slash queen of diamonds. Welcome, Alexandria. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It sounds like you make such great necessary content for the world. (laughs) Uh, I think you do too. We're kind of on the same path, just phrasing it a little bit differently. I absolutely love the title, Getting Through It. You know, in today's world with everything going on, boy, you thought after the Trump years, things would calm down. But, you know, we're still in this like what I call firestorm and people are so or at least the people that call me, they're saying they're so depressed. Have you noticed that out there in the world? 
Oh yeah, of course. I mean, so many people have been through so much trauma and crisis state and everything all through the pandemic and they haven't had time to sit with it and get over it. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, or, and then get through it, you know, I mean, it's, or maybe you get through and then you get over. Um, but people seem to be stuck. We're stuck in uh, looking at social media, which is in my opinion, kind of crazy right now because you're getting all different types of viewpoints on one hand, which is good. But on another hand, if you're not an independent critical thinker, it can really trip you up. People's health seems to be going sideways. What is the one thing that you could share with the audience right now that, you know, like, ah, I'm completely blitzed out. Um, in fact, before when you came online, I was talking to my sister who was having a meltdown moment. What can you tell people who are at that point where it's just like, I don't know what to do because everything seems to be broken all at once? I think that, uh, boy, trying to reduce it to a single bit of advice would probably be to just not avoid dealing with Mm. the problems. I think so many people work so hard to try to, you know, if they've got their cart of life tipped over, they work so hard trying to write that cart, you know, and sometimes it's just broken and you have to deal with it and move forward. And it's so hard. So many people fight the process of change Uh when there's no avoiding it, you know? And so (laughs) the, the sooner you deal with things head on, instead of distracting yourself with social media or potentially turning to, uh, substances to abuse, uh-huh. to turn off those feelings, uh, the more you avoid it, the worse it becomes. So facing those things head on uh, seems like the best thing to do. Yeah, well, you know, it's very interesting because in your book, you talk about stop avoiding solutions, not, yeah. you know, and how can we get to the solution or think about a solution when we're like, ah, I don't know what to do. Right. I have a preteen right now. My daughter's a preteen oh. <laughs> and she, she loves being mad, you know, and we talk about that when you're angry, it's a protective emotion, right? When you're freaking out and you're angry, sometimes you're protecting fear. And so what you're doing is sometimes you just avoid all those calming down techniques that you know are going to work, right? Like taking deep breaths, maybe saying a prayer, whatever works for you, you actively avoid it because feeling angry feels a whole lot better than addressing that fear. So I think part of it is doing that positive self-talk when you're not all worked up, you know, and helping yourself remember those strategies while you're in a relatively clear state of mind so that next time you're triggered and you get yourself all worked up, you're more likely to move towards one of your healthy coping strategies. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have one? Yes, there are many healthy and coping strategies out there. Well, you know, when you're reading your book, um, getting through it, it seems like you really address people going through the grief process, because in a sense, change could be akin to going through grief, because a lot of people don't want to change, and then they're feeling, they're grieving over the change, and they don't necessarily embrace something new. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. In fact, you know, most people know if they go to a therapist, sometimes you'll you'll get a little quiz that they give you and they'll ask you questions like how many of these big changes have you gone through? Have you gone through a change in housing? Have you gone through a change in job? 
Have you uh, lost a loved one? You know, and what they're doing is they're adding up these losses because uh-huh. grief kind of compounds itself and it becomes worse the more changes or losses that you experience in a short period of time. And so, um, you know, it's, it's this, this whole pandemic has caused a lot of loss for people. Uh-huh. Plenty of people have had to change their living space, have had to change their job, have lost a, a loved one. And so this grief adds up. It definitely adds up. And then when you, I, I think even losing our lifestyle, you know, um, yeah. would agree because <clears throat> depending on where you are, you may be in or out or a hybrid uh, of whatever as far as being at home all the time or working from home. But I think people really miss, you know, getting out there. And to me, that's evidence as, you know, when they lifted certain things, you know, people were just out in mass and then COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, came back to get us a little bit more. So how can we adjust to what is our new normal. Everybody's talking about, oh, let's go back to the way things were pre-COVID. Those days are gone, folks. If you haven't, you know, realized that, not happening. So how can we adjust to what our new normal is? And right now, today is our new normal. Now, it can change, right? It can get better or worse. But isn't this our new normal right now, today that we're dealing with and not maybe what's going to happen six months from now? Yeah, you know, you you hit the nail on the head there with focusing on the present moment. You know, sometimes we're focused on the past and wanting to get back to the way things used to be, or we're focused on fearing the future and how am I going to get all my ducks in a row to make things work again? And we forget that in this present moment, maybe things are okay, right? Maybe we have a roof over our head and we're warm from the storm. Maybe we've got food available to us, you know, counting, counting those small blessings and really leaning into them in the present moment is the first step towards accepting that new normal, even if it's, even if it feels so distasteful to accept that new normal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you make the, you know, the limit, the old thing, you know, the lemonade out of the lemons and um, it can be, you know, challenging sometimes, but it's about, I, I think, opening your mindset to, you know, expand more, which your book walks us through step by step on what to do. Now, in the book, you you, um, talk about this, and and it struck me um, pretty vividly. Um, Paying attention to your thoughts. Now, you know, folks, of course, you know, negative thoughts are not a good thing. But um, Alexandria puts a premium on your thoughts, especially before bedtime. Why? Because we definitely spend a lot of time distracting ourselves during the day. And I'm sure everybody's had this feeling where you've had a really busy day, you are working, you've got this and that to do with your family. And then the first time you have to yourself is when you lay down in bed at night. And so what does your brain do? immediately it starts chewing through all of this negativity that you haven't been dealing with during the day. And so what I encourage is for people to make space during the day to really sit with their feelings. Sometimes that can look different for different people. Like for me, it's going for a run. I really love going for a run, Uh you know, don't put my headphones on, just really let myself chew through all the thoughts that I really need to think through 
Because if you don't give yourself that space during the day through meditation or just sitting with a cup of tea and thinking to yourself, then that's going to come up at night, right? When you need your sleep. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And then you take it a step further and you go into judgment, judgment of self and judgment of others. So talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, judgment is so tough. We like, we like to say that all feelings are good. That's the new thing in therapy, right? Is that we don't need to avoid our feelings, but there are certain feelings that aren't really emotions. They are judgments, feelings Uh like shame and, and even fear can sometimes be harmful to us. Whereas other feelings that we think are harmful, like anger are Mm -hmm. actually natural and they have to occur. And so I think this, these self judgment pieces can come hand in hand with shame. And sometimes it feels good to be ashamed. Now, now, now that's might seem weird, but it can give you a sense of responsibility, which might make you feel like you're more empowered, right? Okay. Oh, I'm bad. I did the bad things in life. And this is why bad things are happening to me. Then that gives you a sense of power because you can say, well, maybe I'll just stop being bad and then life will be good. But the self-judgment is is not great in this context because there's so much in life that's not on our control and not in our purview. And that needs to be acknowledged and released in order to move forward. How do we, excuse me, uh, acknowledge it? Yes. How do we release it? Once we acknowledge, if we can be brave enough to acknowledge, how can we begin to let go? Sometimes it takes a few steps to get there. You know, those 12 step programs, Mm -hmm. that's why they're so useful is they break down those limiting belief systems into smaller chunks, you know, like one of the steps is, you know, to acknowledge that you're not in control, but before you get to that step, you have to become ready to acknowledge that you're not in control, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's funny because I went through those steps myself where at, at one point I was not ready to acknowledge that I wasn't in control, mm-hmm. uh, but I was able to acknowledge tiny, tiny bits of that. I was able to say, okay, well, maybe I'm not in charge of everything. <laughs> right? <laughs> and maybe I don't control everything. And that was like a little baby step towards mm-hmm. saying, okay, yeah, I, there's a lot in life that I can't control and I need to acknowledge that fully, but it took me a while to get there. I had to take those baby steps. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people do. Well, why can't we just go with the flow? Right. Why can't we just go with the flow? I feel like when we were children, it was easier, right? Because it felt like there was someone in the driver's seat. (laughs) And and now now you have to kind of be your own inner parent, right? You have to you have to be that that mom in the driver's seat saying, okay, everything's okay. My higher self, my higher power has got this. Interesting. Um, Folks, we're speaking with Dr. Alexandria Tron. We're talking about her book, Getting Through It, Reclaim and Rebuild Your Life After Adversity, Change, 
or trauma. Now, you know, a lot of things that are coming up right now, especially for ladies that I get calls from is they're going through a divorce and they are nasty. They are drag nasty. I mean, it's long periods of time and whatever was love way back when has turned into, I don't even know if it's hate. Is there something worse than hate? How can we get through the emotions, this the cycles of divorce and still come out on the other side, especially when we feel that we're being cheated? Oh boy. I, I hear that. I went through just the most brutal divorce and it was long, you know, it took a Mm -hmm. year and it involved so much, you know, custody battle and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. I think you're, you're right that it, the love can transform into something, something toxic. Mm. And, uh, what I found helped me is trying to take that love and transform it into a healthy love, like a respect for my children's father, you know, Uh and allowing that love to still exist. I think so many people try to just kill the love because it's hurtful, you know, it's so painful, a broken heart, you know? Uh And so the idea is to try and block the feeling, kill the love. And I think that that's counterproductive in a lot of situations, you know, especially if there are kids involved, because then that toxic feelings, you know, spills over into their lives. And that's horrible. So, you know, love is a powerful thing and it doesn't need to be destroyed, even if, you know, the person has done unspeakable things. It doesn't mean you have to take the person back, right? Uh (laughs) But what it does mean is you have to transform that love into something healthy. And that takes work, you know? Uh It truly does. And, and we, you know, we're here at earth school to work on ourselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it all can be a lesson. Now in the book, you talk about um, comparison being the thief of joy. What do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's really easy for us all to compare ourselves to others. I mean, you know, the social media is that great example that we see somebody mm. posting their perfect life on Instagram and we think, oh man, why am, why is my life not like that? Why am I not as good as that person at fitness or motherhood or what else? Uh And it happens with all kinds of other things too, though. Even there's almost like a, a a competitiveness with negativity too. Sometimes if you're going through a really tough problem, like a divorce or like a serious illness, Sometimes you start comparing yourself to somebody else who's gone through it and uh-huh. who had a harder time than you, and yet they're succeeding, whereas you're feeling like you're behind them in some way. And it's just important to really acknowledge that each person's journey is their own, you know, uh-huh. and we all come into to our lives with different lenses that we view things through and different resources available to us. Okay. Well then uh, going through all of that, why are we so lucky to be in limbo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that um, in, in ancient times, people would often go and seek their fortune, right? They would go out into the world and maybe, maybe they'd go on a vigil or a shamanic journey if they were going through some mental illness or something. Uh-huh. And then they would come out of that shamanic journey feeling transformed. Well, nowadays you got to be rich 
in order to do that <laughs> most of the time, right? It's yes, like, uber rich. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like I would really love to, you know, take a year off and just go live in the woods in a cabin by the lake and find myself, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not a thing that most of us can do. So when are we're forced to put our lives on hold? It's hard to find an appreciation for that, right? I mean. Uh-huh sometimes when you you're forced to just give up on a lot of projects because something happened that rocked your world, it can feel very frustrating. But if we can lean into those moments, I think a lot of people found that during the pandemic is life slowed down a little bit and that was frustrating, Uh but there was some blessings that came along with that. And now that life is some, some somewhat back to normal, we can, we can see that. We can see some of the positive things that we had that are now no longer a thing because life is getting back to normal. Yeah. I mean, even Mother Earth is like, well, you know, you gave me a reprieve for a minute. Why can't you just back up to, you know, not putting so much out there? Exactly. The air, you know, I mean, exactly. it was, yeah, it was quiet. We could actually see the skies. I'm in Northern California, you know, not too far from the fires. And even mm. though I'm like an hour away, we still get to smoke. And it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we, we took a step back and mm-hmm. the earth had a moment to heal. And now it's just back to the grindstone. Yeah. And um, I don't have the way to fix it. Maybe you do, but you know, <laughs> it, or if any of the listeners chime in, we would love to hear from you um, yeah. regarding that. Now, in your book, you talk um, about a subject that really came home to me, and that's choosing acceptance of life. And folks, it's not about, you know, I want to live. It's about accepting your circumstance. About three years ago, I had a situation where I had to use and still do use a mobility device. And someone, um, when I was out and about, they said to me, you know, I had to use that and I wouldn't leave the house. And I was like, why? I still want to live and do things. I just need a little bit of help. So talk to us about accepting some of the what we other people might consider horrific or we might even consider horrific and, you know, still living because if you're breathing, you might as well enjoy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard being different. And I, you know, I really re- identify with what you said Um I have a cancer support group and there was one woman who didn't want to come to cancer support group because she had a uh, colostomy bag, you know, and it's funny because it's a cancer support group, right? We were all kind of misfits with broken bodies. So a colostomy bag would be no big deal, right? But she didn't want to leave her house because she had a colostomy bag. And it's so, yeah, it's, it's sad how we, we will often treat people as pariahs who are different and embracing those differences can be really tough, especially for people who are in the majority, you know, they're not a part of a minority community. So it's their first time dealing with being different. Uh, and that's something that people need to come to accept on their own terms. And sometimes finding a community is a part of that, you know, finding people who are struggling with the same thing you are. Mm-hmm. Well, do you find that sometimes when we can't accept something for ourselves, it's really a judgment that we have against other people? Oh, going definitely. Through that? 
you know, I used to judge people who got divorces. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, why can't they just work through their differences, you know? And I thought, Mm -hmm. oh God, those, the kids have horrible lives. They have to go to two different houses. How awful. And I would kind of judge those people internally. Mm -hmm. I thought there's always some way that you can work things out. And I had to go through it myself and realize that, no, there are definitely (laughs) situations I'm not in control of. (laughs) And uh, and it it was tough. You know, I I felt like I was joining a community that I had once judged and Mm -hmm. it it was kind of difficult. I had to eat a lot of crow and realize that (laughs) people are people. (laughs) Yes, they are. You know, I had a client once and, um, I haven't heard from her in a minute, but um, she hated people who wore wigs. I mean, I, I don't know what her thing was, you know, but she just and she would talk about it all the time. And you know what? She lost all of her hair and now she's wearing a wig and she doesn't have cancer or anything like that. OK, mm-hmm. her hair just went away. And then the last time I talked to her, she says, OK, I get it now. I was in such judgment about people wearing wigs for no reason. I was blessed with the opportunity to learn how to wear one. So, you know, sometimes we should be careful with what we project, you know, onto others. Now, yeah. one concept you talk about in your book, which I find fascinating, is clutter. And it's not just the physical clutter. We could talk about the physical clutter. And let's talk about mind clutter, too. Yeah. You know, I actually have another book that's focused on that called Clearing Clutter that I wrote. And Uh it's focused specifically on, you know, both the physical clutter, but also mental clutter. I mean, we all have cluttered minds nowadays, especially with the amount of multitasking we're expected to do, you know, half of us have email inboxes just stuffed with virtual things to do, right? Uh And those virtual things to do really pile up, especially for women, you know, since women are often expected to kind of be the cruise director of the family's life, right? It's women who are in charge of setting the dentist appointment for the kids and everyone else, you know, and all of that stuff. And that mental work adds up and it's not acknowledged properly as the work that it is. And so clearing some of that clutter from your brain is important. And sometimes that means delegating it to other people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Lastly, I want to talk about the G word and that's grief. Um, Back in August, um, one of my brother-in-laws, my husband has 10 sisters and 10 brothers. So uh, the baby brother out of all of them passed away. And it was very... uh, traumatic, um, very painful, a lot of grief. Talk to us how we can uh, get through a traumatic event, how we can work through the grief process, because it's not just saying, okay, I'm done grieving now, because there's no specific time limit on it, or even the way you grieve. Yeah. And it's so funny, because our society is just like, oh, yeah, you know, come back to work on Monday after losing somebody that you love the next, you know, the last (laughs) week. Yeah, your mother died on Friday, but be here Tuesday morning at nine. (laughs) And I think that um, part of that is addressing our own feelings of mortality. You know, there's so much that comes with grief. You know, you have to mourn not only 
you know, just missing the person and not being able to talk to them, but also you have to mourn the person they could have become, you know, their future, mm-hmm. everything. And that's, that's big. That's huge. It takes yeah. time. And I think, and direct, direct confrontation of those feelings needs to occur. And, you know, everyone needs to recognize that it, it, you're, like you said, it it's not, on a timeline that makes any kind of sense. You know, my dad died like 12 years ago and I can still just burst into tears if I hear a song when I'm in the mood. Right. And, and, and you have to release that judgment, release that pressure from society to conform to this idea of this resilient person, because that's not true resilience to avoid the feelings is not true resilience. True resilience means doing the work. Sometimes that work means having a therapist. Sometimes that work means making great art. (laughs) But doing the work is resilience. Okay, got to do that work. Now, when we go to your uh, social media site, twitch.tv forward slash queen of diamonds, what are we going to find there? Oh, yeah, that's my, uh, my pandemic stress relief has been um, playing poker games and chatting over a game of cards online with people. <laughs> I even did the book release on, uh, on Twitch, and I gave cool. away copies of the book. And it was uh-huh. great. And on oh. Mondays, I typically do like a motivation Mondays kind of stream where I talk about, you know, what motivates people and what what you can do to get out of your own way, you know, just like you talk about here, removing uh-huh. obstacles and barriers. And honestly, uh, I play a game of cards because that game, uh, just like, you know, just like in life, you can do everything right in a game and still lose. Uh-huh. And but we're so much more resilient when we play games mm-hmm. and that's because we understand those things. We understand in the game when we're not in control, whereas in real life that can be so much harder to acknowledge. And yeah. so, um, so I, you know, maybe, maybe get out there and play some games too, people. <laughs> that would be fun. But <laughs> folks go to her media site. She is funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, she, I, it's hard for me to laugh if you're not funny. I, I will go to comedy shows and sit there and like, and when are you going to say something funny? But she made me laugh right off. And if you can make me laugh, you're funny. Cause I, I don't laugh that easily yet. You know, thank like, you. Stuff. You know, Comedy writing has also been a big outlet for me, for sure. I, I, I work with an organization called Stand Up for Mental Health, and they do stand-up comedy to benefit mental health. And um, yeah, it, hmm. learning to laugh at your problems can be one way to reframe them. Yeah, and it's so much lighter. And, you know, on those days when you're not feeling it because of whatever issue you're going through, you can remember yeah. something funny around it. Um before we go, why don't you share with us a pearl of wisdom for our audience, something that we can hang on to work with and take forward with us? I think I'd like to share that being a strong person feels just like being a weak person. The only difference is that you don't give up. Mm, I like that. Short, sweet, to the point. 
<laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, folks, we've been speaking with Dr. Alexandria Turan, her book, Getting Through It, Reclaim and Rebuild Your Life After Adversity, Change, or Trauma, available everywhere. It's a short, easy read. It's quick, packed, full, full of information. Um, if you're a slow reader, you could read it in two days, okay? But more importantly, it's not about reading the words. It's about doing the book. She gives you many, many exercises that you can pick and choose from to help yourself. And guess what? Only you can help you. So do check her out on her media site. Do get the book. Um, it's a self-help book that doesn't read self-healthy, if you will. So, uh, Alexandria, thank you for being with us today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And to the audience, thank you for being with us. I truly appreciate your time and your attention, and I'm honored that people listen to me. It blows me away. And remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of getting through it. Abundant blessings, life, love, and all. Agape. Bye.